What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackleb, and it is Monday, July 13th. And the preview series rolls on, baby. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings and the New England Patriots. Before I get into that, though, you might have seen the website has officially launched. Or I guess I should say websites because FTN isn't just one site. FTN Fantasy for your season-long needs. FTN Daily for your DFS needs. And FTN Bets for your sports betting needs. The FTN Network is freaking awesome, all right? I'm not saying that just because I'm an owner. (laughs) It is actually awesome. I've gotten lost on the site a few times. The area, all all I'm going to say is this, Air Yards Tool. That's it. (laughs) That thing, I went down a rabbit hole on that thing the other day. But please go check it out. Go support the site. You won't be disappointed, I assure you there. Uh, So ftnfantasy.com will get you there, ftndaily.com, ftnbets.com. All right, so let's dive into it. Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings. And, of course, we'll start at the quarterback position. Kirky Cousins was basically two different quarterbacks last year. There was uh, a, a good chunk of the season, the first and last month of the season, essentially, where he was unstartable. He was downright terrible uh, over that span of time. Couldn't use Kirk Cousins. Then the middle part of the season, he was actually pretty freaking good. I mean, he was a top 10 fantasy quarterback for a good chunk of that portion of the season. Uh, that was the little stretch there where it seemed like he had you know bomb to Stephon Diggs pretty much every week. But ultimately, I think in a lot of ways, he was hurt by the offense itself just being more run-focused. And we heard that over and over and over again. Zimmer wants to run the football. And and that's what they did. Obviously, you know, they pounded the ball on the ground. So with Cousins, it becomes tricky. You know, last year, he was a guy who I definitely touted. I say, hey, he's a late round. And he was one of my safe guys in the safe and upside approach. And, you know, for a little chunk of the season, maybe I was right. But overall, especially that 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 stretch run of his, he really ultimately ended up hurting us. And, you know, for, for Cousins, it's so weird because that was the first time since 2014 that he didn't top 4,000 passing yards. I mean, he did throw for 26 touchdown passes, so it wasn't terrible. It's just there were stretches that were terrible. I think that's probably the bigger takeaway. And he ended up finishing as the number 18 fantasy quarterback. I mean, for me, this year, there's no appeal in going after Kirk Cousins as as a late-round guy. I'd much rather look at, if you're looking at a safer late-round guy, I mean, safer late-round guy with a higher ceiling, Ben Roethlisberger. Let's just go after him. We know the ceiling is enormous with Ben Roethlisberger, but there's there's almost no ceiling with Kirk Cousins. That's the frustrating thing. So... Anyway, I mean, there's a sort of a ripple effect that plays out here. But that being said, when we look at Adam Thielen at wide receiver, I'm not as concerned for him. Even even with concerns for Cousins, I'm not really that concerned for Adam Thielen. And the reason is simply there's nobody else on the depth chart. Now, I'll talk about Justin Jefferson in a second. But after that, you got B.C. Johnson, Chad Beebe. Team adds Tajay Sharp in the offseason. I mean, none of these guys are moving the needle. They have two good pass-catching tight ends, but really nobody else to threaten for targets with Diggs out of the mix. And if you missed the Buffalo Bills team preview, go back through the feed. It's there. The beauty to this little series right now, too, is we're going to get this hopefully right up to close to the beginning of preseason. I'm hoping preseason starts on time. 
And that way, we'll sort of have, you know, you have time to go back through these if you didn't listen to them. We'll have a a complete picture of everybody, too, by the time we get to the preseason. So I I think Thielen's fine. And in fact, I think Thielen is going to be half the value because, I mean, sure, he's, he's a little long in the tooth. He's getting up there in age. But I still think for redraft purposes, there's enough meat on the bone to make him a value as, say, the... 13th, 14th, 15th, you know, like a front-end wide receiver two, 15th wide receiver off the board, 14th wide receiver off the board, fine with that. I'm so fine with that because I think he sees well over 100 targets. You know, last year was frustrating. Uh, And, you know, even even the finish to, to 2018 was a little frustrating, but he was so good in the beginning of 2018. It's a bit in the rearview mirror, but, you know, still... I think we're good enough here. The volume is certainly going to be there where we could be viewing Thielen as a nice little value, especially if you're in full PPR. Half-point PPR, you know, and then non-PPR, he takes a little bit of a hit as you go from one scoring system to the next. But, you know, this is a guy who could easily go out and catch 80-plus, even even more. You know, I don't know if he threatens triple-digit catches this year, but 80-plus, goes for 11 hunch. Puts up seven scores. I mean, that's a front-end wide receiver, too, you know, in, in PPR especially. Now, let's talk about Mr. Jefferson. Justin Jefferson was, let's put it this way, he was lackluster for a good chunk of his career at LSU. And then something magical, something magical just in general happened last year. It wasn't just Joe Exotic under center. It was the entire thing. It was Joe Brady, offensive coordinator. It was, you know, Edwards Hilaire. It was... Jefferson, it was Jamar, oh, Jamar Chase, oh baby, I, I wish I could draft him this year right now, in, in, even in a redraft, I'll be like, yeah, I'll, I'll take Jamar, just hold on to him, he's going to be a stud, but we'll get to him, we got plenty of time to get to him, Jefferson though, really benefited from moving outside where he played primarily early in his college career to last year playing primarily in the slot. He really benefited. But that was a part of the problem with him heading into the combine. See, we didn't know if he was going to run well. You know, there were some, and I was talking to people at media day when Jefferson was at the podium, and I talked to somebody, and he said, yeah, I think he's going to run like, you know, uh, he's going to run in the four fives, and and it's going to hurt his draft stock, and he'll probably be a day two guy. Well, he didn't. He actually ran pretty low four fours, and really showed an athleticism that I don't think we we thought, you know, a lot of people didn't think he had. And and he had it. And so obviously goes in the first round. In some ways, I at the draft, I had said, you know, maybe this is a little bit of a stab at Green Bay because we know a lot of folks had mocked him to Green Bay. And Minnesota was ahead of them, so they end up taking him. They obviously had a need as well, so I, I don't think it's just you know primarily oh division rival base. No, they had a need. They needed to address it, and they got a guy that, in a lot of ways, I'll tell you this: in a lot of ways, he can do what Adam Thielen does. So maybe he's a long-term replacement. Remember, a lot of these teams have types. They will draft guys who are very similar in some ways to each other to fit those those uh, roles in the offense. But the question ultimately with Jefferson is, what is he going to do in year one? I, I think he's going to be solid. But, you know, if, if you were to say pick one rookie just in redraft at wide receiver, I'm going to say Henry Ruggs because of the upside. All right, pick another one. It's either Judy or Lamb. And then the next one would be the other guy. 
It's not Jefferson just yet. Jefferson is either four or five for me. It depends on how you feel with Jalen Rager. I, I, I like Jalen Rager. We haven't gotten to Philly just yet. That's coming up actually this week. But uh, I, I think that for me, the appeal of Jalen Rager is he could potentially lead the wideouts on that team in receiving, whereas with Jefferson, it's hard to hard to see that unless Thielen gets hurt. And it's hard to see a ton of meat on the bones. So t- I'm projecting him right now 52 catches, 660, and four touchdowns. It's a solid season, but it's a wide receiver five season. I like his long-term outlook, though. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and, you know, really from what we saw at the Combine as well, really good kid, so easy to root for. I mentioned these tight ends. Let's talk about them really quickly. We got Irv, and Irv is athletic AF. And then we got Kyle Rudolph, who, all right, Kyle Rudolph is no spring chicken at this point, but he's still on the team. They're still going to run a lot of 12 personnel because they can. But if we were to choose one of these two, and I have them both ranked uh, inside the top 30, but if I was going to choose one, it's going to be Irv. I'm going to, you know, give me the choice of upside. I'm going to go for upside every time. I'm a sucker for the upside. And he certainly has that much more so uh, than Kyle Rudolph at this point in Kyle Rudolph's career. I mean, we can see Kyle Rudolph go out and what, catch 40 balls for 400 yards. I haven't projected 35 for 350. Four touchdowns. That's about as Kyle Rudolph a Kyle Rudolph season as Kyle Rudolph has ever had. Right? That's that's it right there. Whereas Irv, uh, I actually have him projected a little bit ahead. I have him projected forty-five catches, four seventy-one. Now only three touchdowns. He didn't score. He only scored two touchdowns last year. And you know we have to use in some ways we have to use rates to project forward. But we could see a little uptick there, especially with his athleticism. I'm not drafting Irv Smith, but he is a guy who I'm looking at as a hmm priority streamer, you know, DFS guy for sure. Uh, that's certainly where we are with him, and I think he takes a nice step forward. And he's so young still for the position, especially so young. All right, so elephant in the room. I wanted to bury the lead on this one for you know on purpose because I wanted to talk about this last with this team. Dal Cook could hold out. Maybe he doesn't. If we've learned anything from recent seasons, Lev Bell. Mel Gordon, Dal Cook could definitely hold out. You know, this is the era we are in uh, with the modern CBA. You know, today the the current CBA, the the modern state of the running back. It, it's just the reality these guys are in. Does he hold out for a Le'Veon Bell whole year? Pff, highly doubt we see that again. But then again, I didn't think it was going to happen in the first place. Probably more likely he holds out into the season and pulls more of a Mel Gordon than he does a, if he does hold out, that is, more of a Mel Gordon than a Lev Bell. So this now is where things become interesting because if I don't project for any missed games, Dal Cook is my number five running back, Alexander Madison is my number 55 running back. But when we project for missed games, let's say it is a Mel Gordon hold out for uh, a month. I think you could still grab Dow Cook because he's going to hold it. The good news is not going to hold out the end of the season. It's going to be the beginning of the season. And really, when we, we've got to just make the playoffs and we need our ammunition there. So I think you could still view him as a top 15 guy easily. You know, so, And top 15 means first three rounds. He's coming off the board. But the interesting thing is with Madison now, that really vaults Madison up. He goes from being a guy 55 who's basically a late round uh, late round handcuff 
to now being a top 40 guy for me. And, you know, we're talking like, let's say we just slide him in at running back 38 or so, which right now I, I technically have Philip Lindsay in that spot. And I think I would slide him, ju- I'd slide him ahead of Philip Lindsay. I might even slide him higher than that. But let's just say for sake of argument right now, 38. Where does that put him? That puts him in round nine. All right, well, let's move him up a little bit more. Let's say we put him at RB33. Now we're in round eight, possibly even late seven. Now it becomes interesting. This is going to be the thing that we're going to have to deal with with Alexander Madison. Where do we value him? I have drafted him in round eight. I did it last week. Now, I also just saw him go in round 10 uh, in a league where I had already drafted, essentially. I I got my running backs who I wanted uh, by round 8, so I didn't even look at him there. Um, there was so uh, who, uh, who was on the board? Keyshawn Vaughn was on the board, and I took Keyshawn Vaughn ahead of him, a guy who I think can be the starter. So there you go, as my fourth running back. So... I think this is the thing we're going to have to deal with. Now, I think we'll have more of an indication, you know, especially with camp, if slash when camp opens up, if if Cook's not there, then all of a sudden we're going to have to adjust pretty hard. And of course, I'll talk about that on this podcast. So there you go. Uh, let's move on to the New England Patriots. And we are not going to bury the lead with the New England Patriots. Let's talk about it right away. Cam is in the building. What the heck do we do? <laughs> And Cam is a love to hate. Love to hate. No matter what he does, fantasy players are going to hate him. If he has a good week, uh, he's going to suck next week. If he has a bad week, see, I told you, he sucks. But he doesn't suck. (laughs) You just may not like him, which is fine. Hey, you don't have to like everybody to have him on your fantasy team. He doesn't suck. Historically, he's actually been really good, even in seasons where people don't realize it. He's been really good. You know, uh, he was a number two fantasy quarterback in 2017. And then in 2018, before he got hurt, now he was dealing with an injury for a good chunk of the season. And I love these shows like Hard Knocks, All or Nothing. Well, the Panthers were on All or Nothing in 2018. And what you get to see with those shows is really a, a glimpse of how these organizations run. It's not a complete picture. But with Cam, we saw, oh, wow, dude was hurt way earlier than we thought. And it was basically the entire season. He was still rattling off pretty solid production. I mean, he played 14 games, 24 passing scores. He had a stretch there from week two to week 13 where he had two passing scores every week. It's pretty impressive. And what I like about this is with Cam in the building – I do not think they're going to say, hey, by the way, you know, we run the Earhart Perkins uh, system. Here's the nomenclature. Uh, here's the offense we've run for the last 20 years. And now you run it. They're not going to give him Brady's offense to run. They're going to build an offense around him. This is a this is a sharp play by New England. They got Cam on the cheap. If it wasn't this year. If this happened five years ago, Cam would have gotten signed immediately and would have made a boatload of money in the process. But it just so happened, the perfect storm, where basically every team either had a quarterback who they were at least giving a leash to, if not an an entrenched starter, or they were able to draft that guy. That's almost never happened, and it happened this year. 
So, Belichick, slide in. Here we go. Let's get him on the cheap. Let's incentivize this contract, and let's see what we can do. I cannot see any scenario where Jared Stidham beats out Cam Newton as long as Cam Newton is healthy. I can see a scenario where Cam Cam Newton misses time. I could see that. Uh, He's been no stranger to injury over the last two seasons especially. Last year was kind of flukish, that foot. That, That was... It was a bad luck thing, but you know, generally for much of his career, he has been reasonably durable. Uh, so I'm not I'm not overly concerned on that front. And what I like about Cam Newton, I actually just took him. A lot of people are seeing this Scott Fishbowl. I took him in the Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> I took him as my number two quarterback, and I felt really good about it uh, because I got him way late in a super flex. I think I took him in the ninth round, which I'll do that all day long in a super flex. But I like that people don't want him. So that means you can take Cam in the late rounds and be just fine. Be just fine because he's an upside guy now. And we don't, we don't, you know, we're not looking for a massive return on investment. So I have him ranked as my number 15 quarterback. Initially, I had him at 17. The more I look at it, I uh, moved him up two spots. He's right in that range, though. Perfect uh, late round target. Because he's going to be there in the late rounds. So when we look at the weapons, I mean, it obviously helps you have a guy like Julian Edelman to give you stability in the short and intermediate. You have so, you have a big body target in Nikhil Harry, and really when we saw Cam have a lot of his success, you know, it was with big body targets. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, wide catch rate is uh, Devin Funches, a little bit of the same. Nikhil Harry has that, so that's going to be helpful for Cam Newton. Uh, I don't think we see a massive breakout for Nikhil Harry, but I also have taken him in a few drafts now as a late round guy. Uh, I would like to see him take a step forward. I mean, really impressive college career. So it's it's still it's still sleeper territory though, or whatever you want to call it, flyer territory, late round territory. That sort of uh, uh, that's where we're looking at him. But Edelman, by the way, sort of low ceiling wide receiver three for me. I, there's just not going to be as much volume as with Brady under center. I, I think, you know, with Brady under center, it's like every year, 600 plus passing attempts. With Cam, five to 540, somewhere in that range. I mean, we're not going to have a ton of passing attempts in this in this offense. And a lot of them are, you know, they're going to be shorter targets as well, but you know, you're going to have him spread out. You're going to have him to James White. He'll get his. You know, most new will be involved. We might even see Jacoby Myers be involved. Maybe, just maybe, Bill Belichick's able to resurrect Marquise Lee here or even see a little Demir Bird. I mean, there's just such some interesting names that they've compiled uh, on this roster. I don't think we're going to see anything to the tight ends. By the way, Devin Asiasi, it's going to take some time. Uh, there's there's a little bit to like with him, and I do prefer him to Dalton Keene from for passing for receiving purposes. But it's going to take some time. It, this is not the Gronkowski draft where they draft two tight ends who are immediate rock stars. It's not going to happen for fantasy purposes. Not going to happen. Um, so let's talk about the backfield. James White isn't going to carry the ball much. I haven't projected right now at 55 carries, uh, but he's going to catch the ball a whole heck of a lot. We know he does that very well. It Does he catch 55? Does he catch 60? Does he catch 65? Uh, right now, conservatively projecting him at 56.7, so 57 catches. That might be a little too conservative. Uh, you know, 
I'll revisit the number, but it puts him in RB3 territory. So that's the that's the challenge here. Are the targets going to be consistent enough with James White? That's part of why he's projected a little light in my model. Are they going to be consistent enough to be anything more than an RB3? Something you'll have to consider there. Now, we also have to talk about Sony Michelle. So I don't know, you know, what happened. He, he this guy is not the same running back he was at Georgia. And I guess part of it is just that he is pretty much never playing healthy. So he did have foot surgery in the offseason, and this, uh, he, he's going to probably be on the active pup. So remember, the active pup is not the pup list. The active pup is a preseason list. The pup is what you don't want to uh, be on. That's the you miss six weeks uh, list. So active pup, though, is just a, it's a preseason tool that the teams can use, and they can move guys on and off of it. This is intriguing, though. Because last year, we saw a a whole lot of nothing of Damian Harris. And let's be clear about this. Heading into the draft, you know, pre-draft, there were some out there who thought Harris really wasn't that far behind Josh Jacobs. Because remember, they play on the same team at the college level. And then Harris goes here, which, you know... Obviously, now we see was not a good thing. He only dressed in one game. He had four carries for 12 yards. So we don't know what we have with Harris. But I tell you what, if Sony Michelle is banged up and is and ends up missing time, Harris all of a sudden becomes a really interesting sleeper guy because I don't think it go. I don't think they go with Rex. I don't think it goes to Rex. I think it, go, it all of a sudden becomes Damian Harris. And Harris now is one of those guys where I'm sort of trying to just get a tiny bit of exposure in best ball to. I'm looking at him as, you know, will we move him up? Will he actually crack my draft board uh, when fantasy drafts roll around? I think we'll have more on Sony Michelle at that point. As of right now, here's what we know. He is rehabbing. He's been at the team facilities. Uh, this is actually coming from Mike Reese, and you know we'll see. Just because you're rehabbing doesn't mean anything. And honestly, if Sony Michelle is good to go, he is such a meh guy that there's there's almost no ceiling with him that I don't really see much appeal. I have him at uh, 41, which is basically where he's going in, in drafts. So not much appeal there. Really the the intriguing guy if there is one is Damian Harris. It's just more it's more the intrigue of the unknown uh than anything. So there you go. The unknown with Damian Harris, but what I do know is this. Tomorrow we are going to break down the New Orleans Saints and the New York Giants. New Orleans can Camara bounce back from a touchdown standpoint? Michael Thomas is freaking awesome. We know that. What about Drew Brees? Is there anything else to like there? Manny Sanders in the building. Lat Murray? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Danny freaking Dimes for the Giants. Can he Can he be this year's late-round breakout quarterback? I, I think there's a good chance that could happen. We'll obviously have to break down the receivers, all the crazy love for Darius Slayton, uh, but also don't forget Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate. Nobody wants to draft Golden Tate. <laughs> Nobody wants to draft him. Evan Ingram, can the dude stay healthy? And Saquon. Uh, that's going to be fun. So that is tomorrow on the show. Remember, in the meantime, you can go check out ftnfantasy.com. 
you want the draft guide, the game plan, my game plan with my draft board, that's where you get it. It's the only place to get it, in fact. And there's a lot of good things going on on the site right now. Go get lost in the Air Yards tool. That's all I'm saying. On Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe. On Instagram, at Jeff Ratcliffe. And use that hashtag, Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here. 